everybody. Uh, um, it's been a great uh, morning. Um, I, uh, I'm glad that Sean is talking about the crisis impact on China, because my paper actually doesn't deal with the crisis impact on China. Uh, uh, Sean's uh, presentation is, is really, uh, um, I agree with, with his assessment as well. Um, but my, my paper talks about uh, China and India, but it's more historical this, uh, discussion. Uh, I compare the, uh, I try to introduce the concept uh, uh, EDI, ethnic uh, foreign direct investment, versus the real non-ethnic foreign direct investments, um, and how this uh, influenced uh, China and India differently. Um, and it uh, seems to be uh, relevant, because um, uh, I the, we all talk about globalization, and uh, FDI is one form of globalization. Uh, to developing countries, FDI is a more, or it's a, a less destabilizing or less vulnerable globalization than the other types of capital flows, like the loans, the uh, portfolio investments, and China's heavy reliance on FDI rather than uh, portfolio investments. Uh, actually makes, it, makes it, its economy uh, less vulnerable to uh, economic crisis. And more importantly, China's FDI is not real FDI, uh, it's uh, EDI. So, uh, uh, the, the, so far, in the, in the 30 years of its uh, uh, reform and openness, um, the majority of FDI uh, came from overseas Chinese uh, economy. Uh, and this perhaps explains that despite the global crisis in 2008, uh, China's growth in FDI uh, uh, inflows in that year was uh, uh, greater than the previous years. Uh, it, it reached 97 billion, and the previous year it was 61 billion. But historically, um, or so theoretically, I, I'm really interested in the EDI as both empirical and conceptual uh, phenomena because most of discussions on China's FDI uh, have mainly uh, treated FDI as of non-ethnic nature. Uh, uh, like I listed some of the uh, work on China's FDI by Susan Sheik, David Y, Yasen Huang from MIT and Mary Gallagher. And in India, uh, on the other hand, they, they uh, focused on China's EDI, but neglecting uh, uh, diaspora's impact on China. So I try to make up some of the gaps in, in the current uh, publication. And this is a figure uh, uh, showing the percentage of EDI uh, within FDI in China in the 1980s. The blue line at the, well, at the top, it represents from Hong Kong. Um, and, and it's clear that Hong Kong is well above the other two global, the largest global investors, uh, Japan and the United States. Uh, Hong Kong, in, one, in some parts of years, it occupied of more than 60% alone. But this figure, the Hong Kong's figure, in, included lots of investments made by Taiwanese company. I have to clarify, they don't include investments made by Japanese, American, or European companies based in Hong Kong. 
those investments were actually counted as as from from those origin, not from Hong Kong. Uh, so the Hong Kong figure is uh, is very outstanding. Uh, but I was in this paper. I try to uh, focus on the uh, policy making rather than the statistics. Uh, I was thinking about in China why, like actually, Shang mentioned the Chinese uh, policy shifts. Uh, if we look at China's reform starting 1978, then most of industrial policies or state policies. Uh, Changed a great deal. You know, we don't see a persistent trend uh, as, as, as uh, the foreign investment policy. You know, the, the policy toward the FDI. So, and in this, uh, in the uh, in, in the East Asian literature, and you know, the FDI policy normally is more more difficult and more controversial than other types of foreign policy. But anyway, so I look at the process of. Uh, uh, FDI policy making in China um, in, uh, from the very beginning of economic reform uh, to today, and uh, I uh, I checked out the, what where the ideas for the different zones came from, and clearly they were from Hong Kong uh, businessmen and the legislation on the zones, the the size, the specific terms were all these uh, uh, provided by these uh, Hong Kong businessmen, and they. Uh, resources and for all successful policy, need ideas. New policy, need ideas, need resources, and the resources again were provided by Hong Kong businessmen well before the actual policy was made. And once the policy was made, of course, more uh, investment uh, was brought in. And I also talk about the presence of, of this strong uh, resource pool near southern China. And change incentive structure for the local governments, um, and, and the local governments in China became very in, important lobbyists for uh, openness in uh, in the country. Um, overall, compare comparing EDI versus FDI, uh, EDI seemed to enter earlier to to any region and the coastal area. EDI entered in as early as. The uh, early 1980s, the early stage, and FDI came much later. Uh, and then, when the reform, the openness areas, when they expanded to different areas, then again the new open area always see uh, EDI entered earlier. So I, I I think this EDI can help to build up infrastructure that ultimately facilitated uh, FDI's entry. Um, but more importantly. Although um, the, the type of global crisis was absent in the 1980s, um, but domestic crises were, were quite frequent, political crises. So opposition to uh, in, uh, uh, reform policy or openness policies were very real. And those uh, um, the connections to overseas Chinese actually overca overcame uh, the oppositions. Um, the, this is a chart to show the uh, China's FDI structure in the 1990s. Again, I only contrast uh, uh, Hong Kong, Taiwan versus Japan and the United States. Those, the, the latter were two uh, largest global players, and the Hong Kong share or Taiwan share uh, predominated. Okay. Um, 
the another crisis that I deal with in the in the paper was the uh, uh, political crisis in 1989 to 1992. Uh, again, that crisis showed that it, it was a regime crisis, but uh, it didn't spill over to uh, reform. Uh, uh, economic crisis uh, on the 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 the, EDI, um, the, the investments from uh, ethnic origins actually didn't uh, decline and they, they increased a great deal after 1992 but they didn't uh, uh, decline and they, they increased uh, steadily and local governments or the type of networks connecting lo uh, Chinese actors and uh, diaspora businessmen uh, still operated uh, very uh, dynamically and uh, uh, Deng Xiaoping, the leader at the time, was able to mobilize these uh, 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 business networks and to sustain uh, uh, reform at the top level. Um, uh, and then again, when reform was uh, sustained, the EDI was far more responsive than the other uh, types of foreign investments. They, they entered early uh, and helped build uh, infrastructure. And nowadays, we all I, I think everybody here perhaps have been, has been to Shanghai, and lots of you are impressed with these uh, Western logos, uh, Western-style buildings. But actually, the majority of uh, investments were contributed by uh, EDI in this city, in particular in the in the uh, in the early opening years, in the first four years. So, so this is a chart to show you know, the Hong Kong and the Taiwan's share uh, again was. Uh, uh, was uh, greater than the other. Um, Cassie, how do I do with time? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, um, and the Indian the diaspora's impacts would be different, but I, I actually think it's quite uh, important. These charts show um, the and. Uh, regions or countries that have, uh, have highest shares of Indian population and Mauritius is the, the, the top one. Uh, and uh, UK and USA actually by absolute numbers there are, uh, there, there are lots of Indian population. And those uh, were, uh, happen to be areas that, that uh, uh, investments mostly uh, came in India. So Indian uh, FDIs um, the majority of them came from Mauritius, USA, UK. I mean, these were the top three. Um, but the Indian diaspora impact has been different from China in the one sense that they, uh, they uh, were influential as a remittance senders. Uh, so um, uh, Indian's current accounts were actually preserved by uh, non-resident Indians' remittances. And in 1991, the uh, Indian fi uh, financial crisis occurred because of the withdrawal of remittances from uh, non-resident Indian. And only after about 2002, uh, when the Chinese success in joining in uh, uh, ethnic investments became so compelling that the, the Indian also tried to um, you know, to get more investments from EDI uh, from their uh, non-resident Indians, um, but but the, the data was not very uh, uh, compelling. But um, so EDI in India seemed to be less than FDI. Uh, uh, but 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 actually, Indians non-resident non Indians 
are important by showing this chart because um, I uh, met to, I uh, charted the FDI uh, portfolio investment as well as NII uh, deposits, and you can see that NII deposits are is well above uh, the other two investments. Um, but um, so in the paper, I also talks about the the um, specific uh, role that uh, diaspora Indians played in India's reform. Uh, I talk about they played reputational role in the sense that those Indian tech, um, engineers or uh, mainly like uh, engineers, technicians working in the United States or, um, uh, or UK, they kind of build up India's image at this high-tech uh, place. Uh, and lots of uh, Western companies, they, they went to India uh, because of this, this build, build confidence in Indian capacity uh, in manufacturing and serving in those sectors. So that's very clear in software services area. Uh, and I also talk about the bridging role. Uh, if uh, so, I look at the early um, projects or investment projects by foreign companies in India, and uh, many of the companies, they, their proposals, uh, their projects were were put together by uh, non-resident Indians working uh, at the company, and uh, and those people actually started the whole software uh, industry. In, in, in the country, and managing role, uh, that, that, that's also quite clear. Uh, but Indian, uh, the important uh, in, uh, Indian diasporas are different from China's. And in China's, we talk about their investors. Uh, but Indian, the, lots of them were uh, the so-called um, professionals who worked at MNC, who worked at the IO international organization. So I, I listed. Uh, these uh, diaspora um, representatives who played a very influential role in India's uh, economic reform since 1991. Um, so I, I, uh, to, uh, to, to conclude, um, I, I think that because of India's less salience of EDI, I think if we compare China and India, and that was suggested by the, the, the 2008 crisis as well, I think India's economy, in, in terms of its integration into the global economy, is more vulnerable than, than China. They relied on deposits which could be easily withdrawn, and uh, a portfolio investments which was also much easier uh, to withdraw. Uh, and in China, they, 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 it's really built on uh, networks and interpersonal networks to uh, actors in the global system. So it's, it's a lot more difficult to break. But uh, Indian uh, diaspora have more contact or experience with uh, international institutions. So which I think uh, Indian actually have more influence uh, at the international organizations than China. And in China's um, diaspora networks just don't exist in, in, in that uh, area. Okay, thanks.